Counterculture Comic Podcast, and this week we'll talk about a comic we mostly read a long time ago and finally got around to talking about it now, O Human Star. Uh, then, because we waited way too long between podcasts, we probably won't mention Logan a whole bunch, but we'll mostly talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and because it's not really current anymore, but we're still going to talk about it, we're also going to talk about Iron Fists. I'm Nick Hemsing. And I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> it is one of the yes. beautiful parts. That was one of the great <laughs> moments Mary of that Poppins. film. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we haven't recorded in quite some time because, again, we're busy. Uh, I'm doing three conventions in four weeks and i've already gone through two of them i have another one next week so if you're in the minneapolis area come by the state fairgrounds next weekend and i will be at msp comic-con doing my third convention and then i have all of june off so hopefully we'll squeeze a couple more podcasts in there are you going to get a deep fried twinkie no no you know the the state fair booths that offer that kind of thing aren't open in may oh well that's kind of a shame that's what you went to you would go to state fairs for is to have incredibly fattening food yeah i and... just don't even do the state fair thing anymore it's just you go every year and it's kind of the same thing with different horrible foods and horrible for you foods that taste delicious but uh mm. yeah you kind of go through that circus a few times and you're done with it yeah, well, the affairs around here are always in the middle of summer in Southern California. I, I'm, I'm okay. That's, yeah. That's good. I, I don't need to go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my, my temperature range is, my uh, comfort range uh, is generally below the below the 90s. So uh, that means a lot of things in summer around here are pretty annoying. Um, but, you know, that's what I get first still living here yeah really it's your own damn fault yep so uh what are we talking about first What's um it? well let's see let's do iron fist since that's the oldest uh okay. thing um have you finished the series yet no no <laughs> okay fair no. enough oh, well Lucky yeah you. we started we started watching watching uh, a, a couple other series that we actually decided to finish so yeah. uh Iron Fist will probably get finished before Defenders comes out. Sure. How many episodes you watch? Five or six. Oh, okay. Yeah. It it gets marginally better in my opinion, but it it settles somewhere south of mediocrity, even at its high point. It's just not very good. I now Nick and I actually differ on this opinion. I hated the first two episodes. I mean, to the core of my being, I was actually angry by the end of the second episode. I wasn't as angry, honestly enough. I got angry. I was starting to get irritated after the second episode. The uh, the uh, once uh, he started wearing like nice clothes and stuff like that, I started getting less interested in the character. Hot boardroom action. Iron Fist. Yeah, I was just like, Seriously. oh, you know, before he was like this outsider looking to also, you know, figure out a little bit of who he was. You know, he thought he knew who he was, you know, being trained in some other super kung fu dimension. And 
then he comes there and he's thinking maybe I could be, you know, who I was before. And then that's not panning out. And then all of a sudden they kind of resolve that. And I'm like, I was way more interested in this than I was watching, you know, Danny B, you know, boardroom Danny and, you know, altruistic boardroom Danny. And I'm like, oh man, this is the, uh, now this is just turning into, uh, what arrow. <laughs> the, yeah. It's uh, not nearly as good. I, yeah, I actually yeah. liked a lot of Arrow. Um, what made me so mad in the first two episodes was literally 10 minutes into the show, I was sitting there and I could feel my blood start boiling because he's this naive kid who does who approaches the situation as stupidly as human pos- humanly possible. And I'm like, okay, so this is how they're selling the character. Okay, I don't like this, but if they're going to do it, and literally, at that point, my mind stopped because Danny figured out how to swipe the pass card from that girl in the elevator to get to the top floor. And I'm like, okay, so he's smart enough to know how to do stuff like that. But, oh, wait. And he also traveled half the world, apparently without a dime to his name, because he's dressed like a hobo, basically, in the beginning. And I'm like, so he's not stupid, but he's also stupid. Oh, yeah. And it created this just juxtaposition where I'm like, no, no, this is shitty. This is horrible writing. And it didn't stop for three episodes. Yeah, it's uh, so that is one of the things that is consistently frustrating about the series is that uh, Danny, in every capacity of his being, fluctuates between amazingly competent and mind bogglingly stupid. Yep. And all the characters do. That's one of the problems with the show. The Meachams, for the mm-hmm. first half of the show, are like, we're best buddies with Danny. Danny's the most evil person in the world. We're best buddies with Danny. And it just it's scene by scene. And their motivations, basically, they don't have any at a certain point because they have bounced around so inconsistently. It's a little bit like there was a, a big writer's room and then everybody had like this list of scenes and then they just passed it out to different people. Yep. The, uh, and said, okay, you write there this. Okay. At the end I said, okay, cool. Should we sit, sit on all these? No, I'm sure they're all fine. The, uh, so yeah, it's a bit of a, uh, it's, it's a, it's frustrating to watch it. There's several scenes that because of that, they're just flat frustrating. Yep. Um, you're like, no, 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 that this is the point where, where this should be right in Danny's wheelhouse of competency. Mm-hmm. And, and then he gets bonked on the back of the head and you're like, no, no, that doesn't work here. Um, the, uh, so it's, they they really do fail to build any sort of real consistency with the character, and once they start make, trying to make him somewhat consistent, he actually to me got less interesting. Yeah, <laughs> but that was just because of the character, nothing to do with. I mean, the writing still had that problem, but the the direction they were going with the character was less interesting. And Iron Fist should be able to kick Daredevil's ass. He is in a different echelon of Marvel heroes because he actually has like a legit superpower and he's been trained in you know martial arts since you know 10 years old and he's the great champion of kunlun you know he's all these things he's supposed to be this competent fighter but you watch 
because I went back and watched uh, season one of Daredevil just to see if I was giving Iron Fist an unfair shake, and I wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, but you watch Daredevil, and he gets his ass kicked all the time. And it's actually kind of great in Daredevil how he does that. But it actually, watching the two shows back-to-back, -back, you get the feeling like Daredevil would kick Iron Fist's, Iron Fist's ass. Well, because usually when Daredevil's getting his ass kicked, it's usually Daredevil is usually getting his ass kicked on a good day. Yep. Like the uh, the uh, it's not because of gross incompetence on his point. Yeah. The uh, it, it is him operate consistently operating at the limits of his ability. Um, and that means that he gets his ass kicked sometimes. The uh, uh, so it's kind of a that character is consistent in that way, whereas Iron Fist is one part combat god, second part absolute, you know white belt you know who uh who you you question whether he was he was given the iron fist power or he kind of stole it and ran away yeah and then later you haven't gotten to this point but it's really not a spoiler because it's just a another you know steaming pile on top of a steaming pile um danny later admits that he thought the hand was a myth oh. and i'm like are you kidding me i mean because this show wrote itself. The hand mm -hmm. appears in season two of Daredevil. Okay, so the obvious route for Iron Fist is that Danny Rand finds that the hand are in New York, his, you know, place of birth and what he considers home. So he goes back to find the hand, right? Yeah, it should have been convenient. It, it, shouldn't, have, it, shouldn't, have, it shouldn't have been coincidental. Yeah. And then when he gets there... He realizes that, and he investigates and does his kung fu shit for a couple episodes. Then he realizes, oh, the hand of infiltrated Rand Corporation. That, that's my company. So he cued the I'm Danny Rand plotline. Of course, spend about half an episode on it. But he needs a reason to go do all these things. And he has no reason to do anything in this show. If you if you send him to chase the hand in New York, the rest of the series writes itself because he suddenly has motivation for everything he's doing. I mean, he he admits that he thought the hand was a myth in like episode eight or nine. That's over half the season. What the fuck was he doing for those first nine episodes? It it destroys every. It's just so lazy. Everything about this show is so lazy. Even the action isn't good. Like, have you seen the Drunken Kung Fu fight? Not, not yet, no. Oh, okay. That's no. one of the few shining lights of the show that should have been full of those moments. No, well, the, the problem with me, the, the, the combat was a little too infrequent, and it wasn't, and the problem was is it, it suffers from the uh, competence versus incompetence. Yep. The uh, Where at one point he's super conf competent, and the next moment he's complete, you, you don't know where his training went. It felt like every fight, the result was based on what the writers needed to happen. Yeah. And it didn't feel like there was any logical, you know, structure to make that result feel natural to the audience. It was like, we need Danny to lose this fight. So therefore, Danny's going to lose this fight, even though if it's some, you know, fucking throwaway dork henchman. And you're like, no, you're undermining. It's just everything about the show just didn't didn't click so yeah so hopefully the defenders is better <laughs> oh god i hope so 
And they didn't give him the mask. Why didn't they give him the mask? Come on. Uh, I mean, just so it's just a bandana over his head with two eye holes. Oh. It's oh. not like, it's basically Daredevil's mask mm. from the very beginning of season one, except it's, you know, yellow instead of black. Just, and then you would have, I think using the mask also would have allowed them to bring in a stunt double who could actually fight. That's true too. Because the, I mean, what was I watching just the other day or a couple months ago, maybe. And it was some like really just generic TV and the martial arts fight scenes were better than Iron Fist. And I was like, huh. Wow, that's that's really depressing. The action yeah. was really weak. I mean, it, it was Jessica Jones level action, except Jessica Jones wasn't an action show. <laughs> so I didn't. People complained about Jessica Jones action, and I didn't really care because that's not what the show is about. It was about manipulation and you know. No, it's it, weird it, it, patriarchy, you know, Purple Man. There's a lot of really interesting crap baked into that show. So I didn't care about the action so much. It just didn't need it. No, no, it wasn't why you were watching it. Removing good yeah, martial so arts scenes from Iron Fist is like removing Harlem from Luke Cage. What is the show at that point? Yeah, it's a bit, uh, bit disjointed. Um, the, uh, I was trying to find out who was writing Defenders because that should tell me who is, let's see, we have, uh, Douglas Petri, Petri, uh, who wrote, uh, well, he wrote, uh, he was a co-executive producer of Daredevil. Oh, okay, good. The, uh. And then American Horror Story. Yeah, there's there's some Pushing Daisies and Buffy hmm. back in his sister. That's well, that's co-producing. What did he yeah. write? Uh, wrote he wrote. Yeah, he wrote uh, seven episodes of Daredevil. Oh, nice. Right. Okay, S starting to look better. Yeah, S starting to look better. Daredevil, see, fine. Uh, yep. Daredevil season yeah, like, one is very good. Season two is just pretty good. Yeah, you know what? We're uh, we're, we're we're looking we're looking good so far. The <laughs> nobody in, nobody listed as a writer for the Defenders was involved in writing Iron <laughs> God. Fist. God, what a mess! <laughs> Everything about that show is just not good. I mean, it's not a terrible show overall. It's just an extreme disappointment compared to what came before, where the leak uh, the weak link of netflix was maybe luke cage or daredevil season two i'm not sure um the second half of luke cage just wasn't awesome but uh you know but still overall both of those seasons had far more good than bad yeah where iron yeah. fist is the opposite where it had far more bad than good yeah well let's let's move on from, yeah uh, we're done beating yeah. flogging yeah. this horse so you want to jump to a O Human Star? Or you want to? Yeah, let's do O Human Star. Okay. Yeah, okay. let's let's before we have completely forgotten the comic altogether. Yeah. Really sorry about this. We meant to record this a couple weeks ago before I had these conventions, 
and it just didn't work out at the last minute. Well, and let's also be fair. We also meant to originally record Oh Human Star probably about a year ago. Yeah, I bought it like two years ago. Yeah. But I read it about a month ago. No, maybe three weeks. Anyway. Okay. Let's talk. About I read. It. I read it when you, I read it when you first told me about it. So your oh. <laughs> memory is probably better than mine. I had to go back and refresh my memory. Oh, okay. So, uh, so we'll, uh, go ahead. Lead I, away. I shall. I shall lead. Alistair. Oh boy, this is really off. Just just a rousing start. Alistair Sterling. That's really a difficult name to say. Mm-hmm. Was the inventor who sparked the robot revolution, and because of his sudden death, he didn't see any of it. That is, until he wakes up 16 years later in a robot body, steps into a world utterly unlike the one he left behind, and tries to get his life back together. Uh, written and everything by Blue Delaquante. Uh, one of the most humorous things about this book was I was reading it, and I don't even remember how I found it, but I found it a long time ago. And I'm reading it, and I'm sitting there looking and going, hey, that looks like the Stone Bridge in Minneapolis. And Oh man, that kind of looks like downtown Minneapolis. Huh. No, all downtowns look the same. It's drawn in a very loose cartoony style, so it's very easy to uh interpret things how you want to interpret them. And then later in the book, they just straight up mention the Vaucher building, which is the oldest skyscraper in downtown Minneapolis. And I'm like, oh, son of a bitch, she's from Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> now mind you, it took like eighty pages for me to get there because I'm not super bright sometimes. But yeah, so Blue Delaquante is from my hometown of Minneapolis, and I just found this out. So that's fantastic. Oh, okay. congratulations! Yeah. That's so so good for you. I will have to. We're, we're I'm sure we're both doing the same convention next weekend, so I'll have to drop by and say hi. All right. The uh, good. So we've got our Minneapolis love out of the way. Yep. So you give me your rundown, like what you remember of it. <laughs> what I remember. Yeah. You're doing uh, I mean, such a bad a, job. Oh man, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> the uh uh I mean the most the, the, the heart of the story is the uh, is the main uh, main character Al- Al- Alistair is sort of brought back into I mean he's sort of a, a, a character, you know, a guy with flaws who then has to jump back into a reality that he doesn't that he can imagine, but never he doesn't quite recognize. Mm-hmm. And but for him, it's for him, it's it's nothing is past. But then for his, you know, those in his for uh, um, for Bre- uh, for Brendan, I mean, life has passed for what? How many? Sixteen, 16 years. years. Was it? Yeah, sixteen years. So, and during that time, you know, Brendan has tried to deal with losing uh losing alistair and then also kind of starts a family of his own based off of alistair um that that he starts then he that brendan again starts to take you know takes uh that responsibility very seriously so and uh and then the reintroduction of reintroduction of alistair and all of alistair's sort of alistair's you know, who he was and, you know, now a, a person with flaws, who's kind of a stranger in the strange land. It's, 
it's a exploration of that relationship, which is complex. It is, um, especially because Brendan uh, essentially cloned Alistair in a teenage female robot body um, and named her Sulla. Or maybe Sulla changed her gender voluntarily. Um, I actually believe that might be the case. Um, uh, she, she asks. Yeah, she asked to do it. Um, so Alistair is a bit weirded out by this because he feels like, well, why did you clone me in this female teenage body? And Brendan's, you know, like you said, trying to recreate some, some form of family. And then after that point is when you find out that Alistair and Brendan had a relationship back in the day before Alistair passed. And so it becomes an incredibly complex situation and it's really interesting to like is is it, it it's what sci-fi does so well it's create these fantastical situations that are allegorical to things we feel here in today's world and you know the complex relationship of what is family and what is you know what what makes somebody human uh, are very much at the heart of this book. Yeah. Uh, so I wish I could possibly do it more justice than the, uh, unfortunately when I read this before I had a lot more time and then more recently I've had a lot less time. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I wasn't able to give this the complete reread that I wish I could have. Um, uh, but it is the, um, the story progression is great. I did have to settle into a point because it, it's it's uh, it's a web it's produced as a web comic. Um, the uh, and the uh, when I started when I started reading it um, on the website, the uh, I started trying to track how fast the story was progressing. Oh, okay. Uh, so and it it actually starts. I I mean it actually progresses at a fairly decent clip. Um, it does. There's just a lot to unpack. Um, yeah. And I think that Blue does a very capable job of, you know, letting us know things as we need to know them. Like, not revealing the Alistair-Brendan relationship, although it's hinted at a few times earlier in the story. Um, not really starting to unpack that until, I, I think it must have been 50 or 60 pages into it. So, yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's 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 what would be the like the around around the second issue. Yeah, if the, you were to the story does not fall into the classic web comic trap of spending fifty pages setting up a story. Uh, Alistair, the book begins with Alistair waking up essentially, which is exact exactly where the story should start, and the first several, you know, maybe a couple dozen pages are dealing primarily with Alistair being like, where the hell am I? What the hell's going on? I'm a robot now. Why'd this happen? You know, so it's giving you a framework of the world through the lens of Alistair because he's more familiar with the world than we are, but he's also an outsider looking in. So that that's a good uh, mechanism to get the writer or get the reader up to uh, speed in the world without heavy exposition and setting up of future events. Yeah. The, uh, 
I think it's for as a, for a person that is supposed to be as sort of on you know, previously on the cutting edge as he was, it does a good job of still allowing him to be portrayed as the as sort of a, you know he understands it but he's still not with it. Yeah, <clears throat> and I mean think about if you died in two thousand two. Let's see, so sixteen years ago would be two thousand one. The iPod had just released. And even if you were at the forefront of technology, if you woke up today and were in 10 years of the iPhone existing, I mean, just think about the enormous gulf between those two devices. And even if you're one of the smartest. Well, if you're the one who what if you're the one who created the iPod? Yeah. And you would still like the concept of apps and being constantly connected. You might have dreamed of it, but the way that manifests in the real world is going to be different than the way you imagined it. Like, for example, when Steve Jobs created the iPhone or announced it, his dream was to have every to have it have no apps. He wanted no apps on the phone. He wanted everything to run HTML5 and to do web apps, essentially. Well, even Steve Jobs in the moment had it wrong. And we move to an app world. So how you imagine things, the way they play out in reality is still going to be considerably different. Although now it seems to work in like move back in like some sort of quasi vision of that, doesn't it? Yeah, the, 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 uh... the hardware and HTML5 and all those things just weren't up to yeah. what was needed in 2007 when the uh, iPhone released. Yeah. So it's a, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good read. Um, I think, uh, I think, uh, once you settle into the to, um, you kind of settle into the story. But it, it's it's, uh, I have not read the the last couple chapters. I have only so I read volume one. Yeah, I have uh, not read. read. I, I have not read. Uh, I don't think that I've read chapter four or, or chapter five and six. Okay. Um, so I am the uh, so I am not able to re- adequately report on the 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 uh, last part of this uh, but it is it's still being produced um so last issue was May 8th so uh story's still moving along i don't know how often pages are released i think um, it's weekly but i i read the comicsology version so i did not yeah. read it in web web comic form so um i would give it a read yeah, definitely. Uh, this story seems to keep going. I I, I don't know the uh, since I, we haven't read the last part of it. I don't know if the uh, if if the story managed to branch off in directions that you know that would uh, where you know sometimes comics should just you know end at some point. But maybe the uh, maybe there's a, a long story here that you know I, I haven't quite seen yet. There are characters uh, in the cast list that we haven't um, mentioned. Yeah, yeah, that are only only appear briefly in what I read. So I assume that some other characters come out and have more prominent roles as it goes along. And uh, the art, which we haven't touched on at all, is done in a very um, simple cartoony style, which I referenced briefly. But um, Blue uses a kind of quasi-monochrome for most of the scenes and then when she enters flashback 
she uses a different kind of quasi monochrome. I think it gives the book a, a a very simple but easily followed. Um, I I love it when comic creators use some sort of color differential or to show flashbacks or change of scenes or something like that, because you know it's one of those visual aids and this is a visual medium. And I really liked the art. You know, it's it's a little bit rough, but you never have a hard time. And I don't mean rough in the sense of like bad. I mean, is you know, slightly unpolished. Uh, but you never suffer for understanding what's going on. Yeah, the composition solid. So yeah, I mean, I, I like the book a lot and I'm probably gonna go track down volume two just because I don't like reading web comics. Eh, I'll probably, I'll read it online because well, yeah. it's right here. Yeah, I just I don't have to wait. I'm a web comic creator who hates reading web comics. It's kind of funny. But yeah, well, you're stupid. Yeah. Well, um, I like to. I know how hard it is to make it as a creator, so I like to throw the. Oh, give them money. A couple bucks. Give them, yeah. If you want to give money, yeah, that's a that's a perfect, perfect sign. I'm lazy. Um, the uh, and if I don't read, start reading it right now, I may forget. <laughs> so. The uh, uh, and that's just me. I'm bad oh, about it. I'm horrible about it. I every time I'll be reminded that something amazing exists, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I haven't read that in two years because I forgot it exists." Yeah, uh, well, it's there, there's lots of shiny stuff out there right now. So, there really is. Yep. So it's uh, so I guess uh, we both like it. You should go read it. Um, and uh, I guess we move on to Guardians. Yeah, just uh, real quick. You can find O Human Star on Comixology, oh. or you can find it at the letter O Human Star. So it's not O H Human Star; it's O Human Star. And uh, you can read the entire thing there for free if you are that type of person, Nick. What? Do you, what? <laughs> what? No, I just, <laughs> what? I just like to take digs at you when it's you know when it's convenient. No, I know it's it's fair, you know. The, uh, I, I deserve it. So, uh, Guardians. Yeah. I, I don't think many people have seen this movie yet. Um, um, no, no, no. It's, I, uh, I heard it was know. a real disappointment the opening weekend. No, it's, you know, yeah, slow start, slow start, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a slow burn. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's uh, the way it goes. Uh, so, I think it's fair to say that we'll be spoiling it for everybody, right? Uh, probably. I mean,. I don't know anybody who's seen it other than me, so. Oh, oh. You're, yeah, you're such a hipster that way. Yeah, I am. But uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, it, you know, it'll cost you about 12 bucks to go see this thing. The first four minutes are worth that $12. It's just glorious, everything about it. The first four the minutes. The title card is hilarious. So the good. first the first four minutes are what CG should be able to do for us. Yes. The, uh, it's like, if you're going to do, if you're going to do CG, then let's do something. Let's do something. absolutely absolutely amazing that you couldn't make it any way else. Yeah. And you know, toddler, you know, baby group, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he thankfully is not overused in. No, it, he it, disappears it, for a large chunk of the movie. Which is good because it'd be too easy just to rely on him over and over and over again. Where yeah, he was a 
universal tool. He was a universal tool in the first one. Yep. And watching uh, Baby Groot get angry is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, because it turns out Baby Groot screams a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, it's everything about this movie was good. It's just not as good as the first one. Yeah, I, I mean, I felt that the... Uh, and that's okay. I think, yeah, I think the only... I mean, really the only knock on against the movie that I saw is just that it slows down in the middle. A it bit. really does. It kind of wanders around. like It's trying to put something together. And 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 later you kind of see it come together. Yeah. It just it just was that that middle part was just a little a little looser than it needed to be. Yep. The uh, or it, it just needed to be it just a little bit of tightening up the middle would have made it perfect. But you know that's really it isn't a huge knock on the movie. No. The movie is still good. I mean in the I mean we're just comparing it against Guardians the the original Guardians which was uh, which was a you know it was a phenomenal out. genre so, movie. Yeah, I mean that was that was a great movie that did that did almost everything right mm-hmm. for what it was for what it was trying to do. This movie did uh, most things right for what it was trying to do, yep. and still it made it a great movie. The um, with there's lots of um, uh, there's lots of more people that appear in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, sometimes you know a couple times just a little bit to its detriment. I will say that Sylvester Sylvester Stallone kind of takes you out of a movie a little bit. He does a uh, little bit, doesn't he? Because I'm like, hey, that's Sly Stallone. What's he yeah. doing here? And then I'm, I find myself thinking in the meta of what <laughs> it means for Stallone to be there, and it kind of sucks you out of what's happening on screen. Yeah, because it's he ends up being more of a celebrity appearance than a character appearance. Um, especially because he basically just appears as Sylvester Stallone almost. Yep. I mean, that's, that is the, that is a, a, a bit of the problem. Um, and then you, you juxtapose him against the, uh, the, uh, you know, the other kind of like fantastic creatures out there. And it's kind of like, yeah, you're, you're, you're the odd one here. Uh, the, uh, I don't know why they chose to absolutely do no, nothing other than your character, but dress you up as a, you know, like you from almost. You know, you, you could have walked. It's from know, Cobra. He's basically yeah, you could from, have Cobra. from Cobra. Yeah, you could have walked from Cobra on, uh, onto this set. Um, so it's, uh, that was some of the, it was, again, you know, not a, he's not a huge part of the movie. You kind of get over it. Um, but as much as, as much as we appreciate uh, Sylvester Stallone for being Sylvester Stallone, um, he, he is, he, he doesn't disappear. Um he is when you bring him out. He is like, "Hey, kids, that's Sylvester Stallone." Yep. So, and I think he's going to have a bigger role in Volume Three. Oh, uh, well, if he because does, they if lined him up with some uh, characters from the Marvel universe, so I think that's actually going to be more of a thing as we go through possibly the Infinity War and Volume Three of Guardians. Eh, we'll see if it pans out. I mean, it is interesting that in this one they decided to say, you know, it's like, okay, we've had a lot of Thanos appearing in different places. We're pretty much not going to bring him up at all. Yep. The uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about him because he comes up because of some of the characters, but otherwise we're not gonna see that guy. The uh, um, and I think part of it is because you can't bring him out in the same movie as Ego. 
the no. uh, it, it, you can't because you you it's like you can't have two superpowered beings appear in the same movie and not have them somehow have in an interaction of some point. Yeah, because they're both galaxy class vi- villains. They're like mm-hmm. the celestial uh like category of Marvel villains and it'd be like throwing, you know, Galactus and Ego into the same movie. It'd just be kind of mayhem because they're just too big. They they are a character unto themselves. And while the middle of Guardians dragged a little bit, ultimately where they landed, I really liked it because it the movie kind of toys around with the idea of family is what you make it in the first act of the film. Mm-hmm. But then by the third act, that's what the entire movie's about. And it's about Chris Pratt's relationship with Ego, his actual biological father, his relationship with Yondu, his surrogate father, and his relationship with the Guardians, who are his actual family. And it's it's really a great theme to carry through something like that because you know it's about sometimes your actual biological family is shit and the family you choose to have might be a lot healthier and better yeah even though yondu was jacked up in his own way but he tried to do his best and that's really what the film was about well yeah i mean that and they managed to cross that they managed to make sure that that message got through not with just an interaction with Yondu and Peter Quill. You know, they managed to tell part of that through Yondu and Rocket. Yeah. Um, which is which was a which was a great way to get around uh to that that without taking, you know, you're doing it one part one way and then also another less another less direct route, which was mm-hmm. which was great. So it kept everybody engaged. Um and the, the oh, go ahead, sir. Um, and that the, and that movie did a great job of bringing it together in a way that made it difficult for a uh, a grown person to not cry somehow a little bit, yeah, and try not to. It's like, God damn you, people! Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> yeah, you know, I heard a lot of people say, "Oh, the end was a little too sappy," and I'm like, really. I thought the end was surprisingly touching because it's a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And, you know, there was there were touching moments of the first film, you know, the We Are Groot, which, again, was the family uh, mm-hmm. aspect that played up heavily in part two. But the send off for uh, the end of the film, I thought was really on key and pretty touching. Yeah. The um uh, the uh, especially the one guy who sticks with him, like uh, kind of at the end of yes. it, you know, it was there. There's a uh, the uh, that guy. He that guy ends up being kind of like one of the the other kind of uh, the heart of the heart of the movie that kind of carries through. Yeah, uh, he's a guy who wants to do the right thing, but he gets swept up in, you know, groupthink, mm-hmm. uh, but ultimately makes the right call. And yeah, I mean it's. It's another quality movie from James Gunn. Yeah, and uh, the uh, and, and you know for the most part, I guess it's again again for the, except for the little slowness. I mean, 
the uh, they did another great combination of uh, of uh, music and scenes. Yeah, they uh, did. They really did. And and then even the direct reference to the music at one point with with um, uh, um, the scene with um, ego and uh, Peter and um, uh, what's the movie? It was a song. Um, it just popped out of my head. Popped out of my head. Uh, it's, um, yeah, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. Um, the scene where he's saying, you know, you know, uh, you know, you're a, you're you're the uh, star. Uh, you're the you're the sailor. Oh yes, yes. Um, oh, now now you got me blanking on it. Oh come on. I know it should be right on the tip it of our tongue. I mean, we've heard this song ten million times. Um, the uh, soundtrack. Yes, we're both typing in soundtrack yes, at the exact same time. Um, and you probably beat me to it, but just because I mistyped, I mistyped as well. So we're we're really both so incompetent. Brandy, Brandy, yes, that's right. Um, and uh, and that scene was like. This is like it, that was where it was one of those things where they they bring the music so directly tied in that that it's you know before it's before I mean it is theme but they also really wanted to directly bring um, they wanted to have the music almost have an really have an active role yeah uh, and it, which was a really good call because you know the the mix awesome mixtapes from uh for peter quill have such an integral role in who he is as a character and it's just one of those fun quirky things about guardians that gun always seems to get right yeah and uh so it's and it was but what's so great about that scene is it's the same scene where you're watching ego transform like you're you know you you, you when you, it's when you start transforming from things being off to things being like, Oh, that's who this guy is. The, uh, you know, when you start to piece, when you start to piece together, you know, well, you know, when you start to piece together, who, who, who is, uh, you know, th there's a long stretch of that movie without an, without a clear antagonist. Yeah. Yeah. As they establish ego. I mean, you always suspect that ego is going to be the bad guy. But it takes a long time for that to kind of work in, and I how mean, you, how it works in you 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 never know if he's going to betray Peter, or you know if he's using him in some way. But it turns out he's really not. So that was a pleasant surprise because I was hoping that Peter just wasn't going to be a tool for Ego; that he was somehow tricking him to get there so that he could kill him or immobilize him in some way and basically use his power. No, and, he, he actually, he actually believe he, he actually, he, he wanted to do this with Peter with Peter. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that makes it, it, it good. So it's kind of like a, you know, it's a bit of a, uh, it's a, it, you know, it's a bit of a, a Darth Vader and Luke moment. Yeah. Um, the, uh, but it's, it's done, it's done so well. And then, you know, and, you know, and not without, you know they do they do push it over so to give to give Peter a in the Peter a clear line on who who uh, who's the bad 
who's the bad person here? Mm-hmm. I mean, they do they do push that over, um, but it is it is done. Uh, it, really, the end of that the the entire last what half an hour, forty five minutes of that movie. Um, when that starts to, when that starts coalescing is, is all really good. It really uh, is. It, I mean, and it, it, really, it meshes, to, it meshes together in, in almost every, every single way. I mean, there's lots of, I mean, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy has lots of humor in it. Yeah. And right the, down to and, the, you know, do you have any tape? Yeah, the tape scene is like, and it keeps going. It, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're right. You're like, I mean, first of all, you're, you're thinking like, there's, you know, tape, tape, really? And it's like, I never thought tape could be this funny. Yeah. The, uh, it's so great. The, uh, just as a, just a, as a, in the middle of the combat, it's because they have to have something to kind of, to, it, something to, breaks it up. Yeah, something to break it up and bring a little bit of a life and humor because, you know, one, one thing that I felt this movie struggled with a little bit was the first movie was a football game. Uh, a friend and I were talking about this last week, and it was a really good way to sum it up. It's a football game. We have the orb. They're going to try to take the orb from us. They have the orb. Let's try to take the orb from them. And that's the entire movie, which allowed the characters to really shine because it it was about the characters who became the guardians this movie they needed to be a little bit more complex with the plot and i think that's probably why it dragged in the middle a little bit is because they were still trying to let the character shine but they had a lot more complex things to talk about than we have the football they're going to take it from us yeah it wasn't it wasn't uh it wasn't the easy way to bring everybody together no uh and you know so I, I think that's probably why it suffered a little bit because they did have to try to flesh out ego into this character. And I'm not saying that was a, that was a bad, bad or wrong decision. It's just, you know, you, you make compromises everywhere when you're writing something. And one of the compromises was it's hard for the characters to be the characters they were in the first film when you're also dealing with something that's not a football game. Yeah. A good job. I mean, it was a good job. Yeah. I mean, the, it's still a, it's still a, it is a good movie. I mean, yeah, so I'm watch you know, the hell out of it. Yeah. When when that thing when when that thing hits when that thing is a uh, uh, available through other methods, you know, other than just the theater, I'll, it'll probably be, you know, you know, every once in a while, eh, let's watch Guardians. Yep. And watch uh, let's watch Volume Two. The until uh, I till I've successfully watched it twenty times and it's kind of mostly out of my system until it happens to pop up again, which is basically right now where Dare, where uh, where uh, uh, Deadpool is for me. Um, the uh, oh, okay. you know yeah I watch it, when it came out on when it came out on uh, when it would go through like HBO or whatnot and be like oh cool it's yeah, well it's Deadpool and then. Every once in a while, like, uh, yeah, okay, cool. And we watch, you know, if, if it happens to be on, we, we watch it. And then last night it was halfway through and I'm like, ah, I can turn on Deadpool because I can hop into this movie at absolutely any time. And it's still great. Yep. The, uh, so yeah, it's, um, there's a, uh, so it's, it's Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy is, is definitely a bit like that. Like the original one you can hop in about any time. I don't know if this one you'd be able to hop in at any time, but 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to watch it a few more times because, you know, there is... It's it's a much more complex movie than the first one where it's just all about... It, it's the same as Dare, uh, Deadpool. <laughs> you got me saying Daredevil now instead of Deadpool, too. Um, <laughs> where it's just about the character Deadpool. You know, like, the plot doesn't really matter, and that's fine. You know, that it, movies can can and are very successful just being character-based. And I think character-based movies are the type where you can just pick them up at any time because you don't really care what's happening on screen. You just want to see this character provide you enjoyment of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I don't think we have anything else we can really say about it. And no. it's, it's just, it's just a fun movie. Everybody, you've already, if you're hearing this, you've already seen it for sure. Um, so the, uh, um, so we're just, you know, we're just raving about it. So, um, Next time, let's talk a little bit about Logan, because I'd like to go back and uh, even though we never uh, uh, got much of a chance, I'd like to to do a little a little dive into that since uh, um, it is definitely, I think, of the recent of, of the recent superhero movies, I think Logan is definitely the uh, the departure um, I, and you know what, you know, the movies that started getting it allowed Logan to be created, but there's definitely, um, Logan still was an interesting take, an interesting, uh, path to take. That's still not a lot. Uh, yeah, it's, quite, a, it's a genre mash and this yeah. is something I wanted to see more with the Marvel movies, but hasn't happened. And it's a, because superhero is not a genre. It's really not. It's just a, it's a type of pro, it's a type of protagonist, um, you know, where you mash quote unquote superhero with western, and you have a very different feel of a movie. Like I want to see Doctor Strange be a mash of superhero and horror. Unfortunately, they didn't go that way. It was still a good movie, but I I thought it could have been better as a horror movie. Um, you know, not even straight up horror, but more mystical suspense horror yeah know, i mean it could have it could have had a it could have had a, a, a very different feel than 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 the relatively templated feel for those kind of movies that it ended up having and its best um, moments were where it stepped out into yeah. those other genres like the quote-unquote climax final battle that yeah, wasn't that a was, battle at all was fantastic and that was yeah. a that was a big departure from uh, yeah, what the previous parts of the film were. But anyway, uh, Wonder Woman's coming out in a few weeks. So please Ooh. don't suck. Please don't suck. No. Come on, DC. DC you, you've got a chance. You, you have to make I mean, one good movie. One effing good movie. That's all I'm asking for. What, Why not start with Wonder Woman? Yeah, one, one, one movie that where we don't say, well, you know, it, it was, it was, it was, it wasn't it was terrible. Watch. It wasn't terrible, but it, you know, it has these serious flaws. I yeah. mean, we're waiting to we're waiting to say that we're waiting to not say that about one of those movies. Mm-hmm. And so far, we're th- what three in now, um, and every single one of them. Are has. we only three? It seems like so many more than I that. know. I it know really because does. because each one of them each one of them is like a uh, where where each one of the Marvel movies is like a brief vacation. 
each one of the uh, uh, each one of the DC movies is like a long detainment, you know, at the airport. The uh, you know you, you know you're coming back, you're happy to be home, and then you know you're locked away for a while while they try to unlock your cell phone and do all this, and you're like, I'm home, but. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think of the, uh, I think of DC movies as me being handed a spreadsheet at work and say, "Oh, all the content you need is in this spreadsheet." And the look <laughs> on my face is just like, "I hate you so much. You're forcing <laughs> me to open Excel. The website might be okay, but you've created this one part of it that's just going to make me fucking miserable." <laughs> For hours, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the uh, I, I think we've all we've all walked into you know gone up to DC movies with you know this you know optimism. The uh, and then we we've been let down multiple times now in you know in not that you know in not that they were complete disasters of movies. No, that none of them were complete disasters. Well, but Suicide Squad came pretty friggin' close. Yeah, I still haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, the uh, but they, 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 but they're on the precipice. I mean, they they flirt with you know they flirt with jumping over the edge. They they have climbed over the rail. The uh, and they're staring they're staring down at you know they're staring down at the Pacific Ocean below on the you know Golden Gate Bridge. They're staring down at the bay. Well, everything that needs to be said about DC movies can be said in this one sentence. Man of Steel was the best DC movie. <laughs> I mean, seriously, though, you think about it. I was far less pissed off when I left Man of Steel than I was either Suicide Squad or BVS. Yeah. Uh, because, so. you know, it had its flaws and it, it had its weirdness and there was a lot of things I disagreed with. But I was pretty lukewarm on the movie when I left, which is more than I can say for the two that followed. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Uh, okay. So, yeah, um, we will probably be back in two weeks because I am conventioning next weekend, and we'll pick a new comic and we'll try to talk some Logan. And let's see, Wonder Woman will not have been out by that point, so we will probably do Wonder Woman in late June. Be my guess. All right. Well, okay. uh, I think that works out. We caught up on a few things. Yeah. The uh, We'll try to be back in two weeks. See how that goes. Yeah. Yep. So thanks for listening. Be sure to drop us a line at countercomic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at schlockworks.com where you can view podcast archives or check in on some of our other projects. Or if you're inclined, drop by iTunes or Stitcher and give us a review. That's all I have for today. I'm Brock Beauchamp. I'm Nick Hemsing. Thanks, everybody.